Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. My dear friend, Andrew Giuliani. Andrew, good morning, buddy. How are you? Uh, Sid, great to be with you. Happy Thanksgiving week to you and and all your fans out there. I hope you guys have a wonderful week with your families and and, uh, really uh, have an opportunity to really just uh, enjoy some time together and what's been another crazy crazy year and certainly uh, the last uh, six weeks for, for all those who are New Yorkers, for all those who believe in Western civilization, for all of those who either are Jewish or have Jewish friends. I hope we have a little bit of time over the next couple of days here to uh, really be able to enjoy the time with our families and with our loved ones, and yourself included, of course. Well, you said that perfectly, man. I mean, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday anyway, and, you know, some of my favorite loved ones are gone. My father, Danielle's grandmother, we called her Nana, and they're gone, and we used to celebrate these holidays with them. But whether I'm with uh, a ton of family, which I will be this Thursday, I'll be with my niece, Tamara and my brothers and sisters up in New City in Rockland County, or even alone the last couple of years with just Danielle and Gabriel since Ava went to college. I love this holiday. And I do do exactly what you do, what you just talked about, Andrew, which is I sit down and I get real introspective. I am very thankful for the beautiful things in my life, and I've got many. And I really try to spend Thursday and Friday, because to me it's a two-day holiday, being thankful and, and, and gracious for all the beautiful things in our lives, because as we sit down and have turkey on Thursday night, there's still a bunch of hostages in a lonely, dark tunnel somewhere in Gaza who have no idea whether they'll be around for Thanksgiving next year or not. Just to put everything in its proper perspective, that's the difference between those people, Andrew, and us. Oh, 100%. And any of those who, you know, try to make the distinction between let's say, anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism, I can tell you there's a distinction that really does not exist in any kind of way. If anything, anti-Zionism was created by anti-Semites. In many ways, socialists, if you can go back and look at the history, the beginning of socialists, those people that created socialism, the ideas, were, I mean, terrible anti-Semites because they knew one of the things they had to do was obviously exterminate religion, get religion out of there. And one of the things they needed to do was make sure that you had as few Jews as possible practicing their religion because they were such a great example of how a community can come together on a religion there. And uh, I can just tell you, let's put it this way. Under Sharia law, you're not going to have a uh, budding LGBTQ scene. So for all those protesters (laughs) that want to go out there and say, I saw a sign the other day, uh, LGBTQ for Palestine. I said, well, why don't we go to Gaza and see how that sign is going to play out? Uh, Maybe go go to the – yeah, exactly. Go to the commander on the ground uh, in Gaza of Hamas and say, hey, you know, where's the LGBTQ scene here? Is there a good bar that I can go and you know, <laughs> meet some like-minded friends or anything like that? I- I'm sure that'll be a quick-lived life. They're just uh, ignorant people. You know, they're, they're a little less dangerous than the folks that actually do hate, uh, but, but still dangerous nevertheless because they are so stupid uh, and ignorant. So I just saw a poll moments ago on MSNBC. I, I ask. Uh, Justin, to shut it off. But Justin does so much work every morning in all seriousness. He's a great producer. I'm not mad at him. 
But I do ask him to shut it off because I despise Joe, Mika, Sharpton, Weiss, uh, the, all of them. The, the guys, they're all disgusting. But the polls showed an NBC poll. Now, you know NBC polls skew Democrat, not even close. The latest NBC poll, Donald Trump, 46%, Joe Biden, 44%. Yet, yet, Andrew, every person that hates Trump, including Republicans, who's having this love affair with Nikki Haley, feels the need to tell me time and time again how Haley can beat Biden. Let me ask you something. Who cares whether Haley can beat Biden? You know why? You don't get to Biden unless you beat Trump. It's kind of like, hey, that team can win the Super Bowl. You've got to win the NFC Championship game first, and she's got zero chance of beating Trump. I know she's got, she's got up a couple of points in Iowa, New Hampshire. She's still like 30 points behind. It's ridiculous yeah. to have these conversations. And, Sid, let me, and I know I've talked to your listeners about this for the last year, but let me just remind listeners who Nikki Haley is. Nikki Haley is somebody who five weeks before the midterms in 2018 decided to leave the Trump administration. And the reason why she decided to do that at that time was because she wanted to be able to look Americans in the eyes if Trump was unpopular at the time and say, I left Trump at a time that it was unpopular to do that. But she also wanted wow, to Wow, by, by the way, that's, kind of, that, that, that's called a deserter and a traitor in my book. Exactly, 100%. And I'm going to tell you, she is somebody who does not have the principle to be able to lead the country at this important time. She will blow with the political winds. And, uh, and I got to tell you, when you look at all the candidates out there, and you know, maybe Christie's the one that I would say, okay, you know, I kind of put her in the same category as him. But she is by far at the bottom of my list because I really think she does not have the moral clarity to lead this country at this time. I have been very anti-Haley since then. And I got to tell you, I stand anti-Nikki Haley. I don't think she uh, – I would not want her anywhere near the Oval Office. Well, the good news is you don't have to worry about it because, again I, – <laughs> I mean, serious. I mean, it would be like saying, you know, the, the 49ers have the best chance of beating the Chiefs in the Super Bowl after they lose to the Eagles. I mean, you, you got to beat Trump first, and she's so far behind. I don't know what polls these people are looking at. Well, she's up two points in New Hampshire, and she's up two points in Iowa – so what? I mean, so this only, thing is over. The only way I would correct you there is Nikki Haley seems to be performing in comparison uh, to the Eagles like, uh, let's say, the Giants are, basically. So, uh, <laughs> which, sadly, as much as you and I love the Giants, yeah. uh, we're not going to be playing past about uh, the first week of January this year. So yep. So you were at uh, Mar-a-Lago just last week when you called in. You played uh, golf again with President Trump. You sent me a nice video of his T-swing, I think, on uh, 11, and you look like a million bucks, like a young Rory McIlroy out there. Uh, Biden is 81 today. He seems like he's 150. Trump is 77. He seems like he's 30 years old, this guy. So tell me what uh, what he's doing gearing up for, uh, believe it or not, these primaries are right around the corner. Yeah, well, I'll actually be with the president here just in, a, in about an hour or so again, so I'll make sure, obviously. He's always asking how my, my guy Sid is doing, so I'll make sure, obviously, I send him your best. And you're not just saying that to be nice to me, and if I'm correct, and if I'm incorrect, correct me, but doesn't he always say it this way? How's my number one Sid doing? Yeah, he does. He <laughs> says, how's my number one Sid, or how's my guy Sid? Yeah, That's what yeah, he'll say. Yeah, he'll say yeah. my guy, which is great. For him, like, you know, my guy is, is uh, you know, I've been called many things by him, some good, some bad. Whenever <laughs> I get my guy, I know I'm, I know I'm in the circle. Oh, wait, so, so, wait, so, 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 so you're in Mar-a-Lago right now? Uh, I'm, I'm down in Florida. I'll be flying back later this afternoon. I came back over here 
uh, on Thursday, and uh, it's been great. We've been able to spend a lot of time together. I, I love the fact uh, that his focus is starting to become on these states that I think are so important, the Pennsylvanias, the Arizonas, the Michigans, the Wisconsins, uh, the Georgias, the places where you know we had questions in 2020, and I think rightfully so. Uh, and I think he's now starting to develop a strategy uh, that is going to have to work for not just Election Day, as he likes to say, but election season, because – you know, in all these states, you really need to go through the laws in each of these states and see, okay, well, where where is early bar- ballot harvesting? Where ultimately can you go uh, and look at where where have mailboxes been institutionalized, basically? And considering whatever the early state strategies, I should say, whatever the the laws in these states are, you need to figure out a plan of attack in order to make sure that you can limit what's going to end up happening. Let's say from the left in Philadelphia, which, by the way. Long before 2020, there has been the talk of the Camden vote coming in in Philadelphia, obviously Camden being in New Jersey. So this is not something that President Trump created. This is just something that he wants to make sure that everybody's vote in 2024 counts the same as their fellow Americans. And we don't have, uh, you know, we don't have questions like we might have had in 2020. So on the way out, you started off this conversation and uh, you're great as always. I love your spots on this show. Talking about Thanksgiving coming up. You're welcome. Um, On Thursday, you'll be with the president, President Trump, that is, later on today, flying back here later on tonight. What does Thursday look like? Again, for me, I'll go to New City Thursday morning. My niece Tamara, see my brother-in-laws, my sisters, my nephews, my nieces. Probably go to David's Bagels, catch some of that uh, Green Bay-Detroit game right off the bat, maybe even throw a football around with my nephews later on in the afternoon before the big dinner, which will probably take place around uh, that second game, I would think, right before the uh, Niners and Seahawks during Washington and Dallas, and then uh, some good desserts and a trip back home probably about 8, 9 o'clock Thursday night. What does the Giuliani Thanksgiving look like? Well, just from saying that, Sid, I think I got some tryptophan that just went in my you – know, <laughs> saying that right there. I'm ready to take a nap, and it's, uh, you know, 8 o'clock in the morning at this point. Yeah. Uh, we actually, for the first time, have decided to host at the Giuliani place, I've got to you know, thank my wife, Seville, who's going to be doing the brunt of the hard work. I'll be going out, I'm sure, last minute to Whole Foods here, getting this ingredient, getting that ingredient.